So welcome to this podcast. We, uh, today we'll be talking about uh, the leadership style in the book, Ender's Game. So throughout the book, Ender is put into multiple situations in which he must shine as a leader. As we know, the world is in a desperate time and in need of a great leader, which ultimately falls on Ender. So it's safe to say Ender needs to prove himself as a commander and a leader. As Graf, as Graf said, he's the last hope in beating the buggers. The first thing I want to analyze about Ender is the leader he needs to be and what he must live up to. Graf, throughout the book, reminds us of Ender's importance. I've watched through his eyes, I've listened through his ears, and I tell you, he's the one. So this sentence, um, it gives us insight on Ender's importance and why he's needed for this. It says that he's like, he is the one, and he's like, it's really special and needed in this time. Yeah, and this is the first line of the book, so obviously it has it carries a lot of weight. It's very significant, not only as a hook, but just right. You you want the first line of your book to sort of be a little bit overarching and sort of talking about at least the first section of it. So I think they're just placing so much faith in Ender that he is the one, and he has to live up to that. Right. And, you know, it says that I've watched through his eyes and I've listened through his ears. So obviously I think that uh, that keys to me that desperate measures would be taking that they're literally like putting these uh, chips into these children and they're listening through their eyes or watching through the ears just to find the one that is ultimately seems to be Ender as we first glimpse into the book. So another quote that shows us his importance uh, is shown is shown to us through graphs man- uh, manipulation. Graf had isolated Ender to make him struggle, to make him prove not that he was competent, but that he was far better than everyone else. That was the only way he could win respect and friendship. It made him a better soldier than he would ever been otherwise. It also made him lonely, afraid, angry, untrusting. Maybe those traits, too, made him a better soldier. Like, uh, when Graf isolated him, he had a reason for it. It gave him all these traits that he could use to be a better leader and have better um, traits, like to be a better soldier and be a better commander, like in total. Yeah, and there also must be a reason for like why Graf is manipulating Ender as well. I think it's important to point out that this isn't easy for Ender, right? He has gone through, this is this has not been easy for him. He's been lonely, afraid, angry, untrusting. So, his this pays off in the end, but it doesn't come from Ender not working hard, right? He worked hard. He uh, went through this, like these rough times, in order for that to pay off. Right, and you know I th- I think that's well said. And you know as we said, the manipulation and that graph takes on Ender, you know it there needs to be a reason for it. Also because it's it goes beyond anything I've ever done in battle school, meaning that. The just the, the the just them trying to find his peak abilities and going beyond anything, you know that uh that shows that really how important you know that that they had to get to that point of Ender where he's the best he can be, and the the depth the the you know the leaps they're willing to take there. So I think now we can talk about Ender's leadership and the situation in which he shines. I want to talk about his time with Dragon Dragon Army as he's called to command them. It is at that point that William B. realized that it was possible they could have won. So this is the part in the book where Ender somehow managed to win against two teams. So I feel like winning against two people, obviously that's 
you know, two to one odds. It's not an a feat that can be on that like can be uh, overstated. Like it's it takes a lot. You have to be a very good commander, a very good team, and that was a very difficult thing for Ender to do. It also shows that he has great ability to lead on the spot, even when he was by himself against the two other teams. And he has like he has very good strategic and tactical ability, and he can just think of stuff to do on the spot. Right. So um, I think that all this, like all the skill that Ender has to think of these, you know, incredible strategies to beat two teams at once, which obviously is something that again has never been done in battle school history. I think this relates to the Revolutionary War. So now the Revolutionary War was um, the first was like the war that was that was to fight for American independence, and the odds in which America was supposed to win was extremely slim. So at this time, America was merely a colony against a global superpower, which was Britain. Obviously, like just by hearing those words, we can tell that America was not supposed to win. In fact, they're supposed to lose every battle. So, and the leader everyone looked up to was obviously George Washington, which would which would then become our first president. General Washington would think of uh, strategies to beat the global superpower and give us our independence later on. The war, the war, America in that war was extremely under, like, undermined, and they were not supposed to win, but they end up coming out on top, which I think is extremely similar to Ender's ability to come out on top, even when all the odds were stacked against him. So the next aspect I'm analyzing is the way Ender took soldiers who seemed to be incapable and made them the best army in battle school has ever seen. His ragged little group of veterans, utterly without honor, are blooming into capable commanders. So uh, um, he uses the, he, they use words like like ragged and without honor, and then and it makes them like seem in, like incapable and inexperienced in what they're doing. One thing that I found interesting was that Ender, he managed to make the best army out of uh, his uh, little group of veterans by using tactics and strategy. It's almost like, it's almost funny how sort of cliche this is, right? All the, all the odds are against him. And this goes back to uh, the two versus one battle, right? The, the odds are against him. He, in this case, he had a terrible army, and he was supposed to win against armies who have been uh, playing the game for a very long time, and yet he still manages to do it just because of how good of a commander he is. Yeah, and also Ender, he made them work extremely hard because they weren't as good as the uh, other teams. Right, exactly. So uh, all these things, to me, uh, relates to uh, a great leader who is Herb Brooks. Herb Brooks was the coach of the USA team uh, during the time of the Miracle on Ice. So uh, in that story, it's Herb Brooks is a coach of a USA team who's supposed to lose every game in the Olympics. However, through hard work and determination, he makes them practice and practice extremely hard. And a team that is supposed to lose every game ends up winning the whole thing. So what? So I think this relates, Herb Brooks relates directly to Ender because, first of all, I want to relate that the practice sessions that Ender holds and the, um, uh, and the practice sessions that Herb Brooks hold. So M, uh, Ender and Ender's practice sessions, he makes them work extremely hard and work on everything from tactics to, um, to strategy to shooting to all, to all of it. It makes them work extremely hard and practice sessions, which would then translate to their games. 
Now, Herb Brooks notably said, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone, which is also, I think, directly compared to Ender. So when he says you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone, he means you got to work for it, get the fight. And I think that's exactly what Ender uh, had with him. He didn't have enough talent on his team to just win on talent alone. He had to teach them things. He had to lead them. He had to be the commander that, you know, the world needed him to be. And I think that's really important in uh, the character of Ender uh, Wiggins. So the next leadership trait uh, Ender displays is his ability to truly lead. And by that, I mean having the people you're leading alongside with you and want to be there with you. You know, people that are fighting with you, not for you. So um, this quote says, I can't pretend like the way there's, I like the way they're screwing with us, but I do like one thing, that I, that I have an army who can handle it. After that, he could have asked them to go to the moon and back without spacesuits, and they would have done it. I feel like this quote kind of conveys, you know, like you said, want they're fighting with you, not for you. Uh, yeah, he it, Ender motivates his army. He really makes them want to to fight, want to win, right? For not not just for themselves, but also for their commander and for their army. Yeah, and you know, you said motivation, and that's a that's a really big thing that Ender does really well. He keeps them going. He not, not only is he there to win, but he's there to teach them how to win. He's there all along with them and everyone's there with them. Uh, this shows Ender's ability to lead with the, sh with the soldiers that, uh, that they, they, he makes them want to fight with him. Like instead of them just having to forcefully be with him and, under his command, they they want him to be his their commander. Right, exactly. It, Again, the, the the difference between fighting with and fighting for that's a, that's a big thing. It really shows how um the soldiers like they were motivated to fight with Ender because they knew like how good of a leader he was. Yeah, exactly, and they were willing to to like it said they're willing to go to to the moon and back without spacesuits, you know, and uh, this to me is just extremely eminent of uh, the leader Winston Churchill. So as pretty much everyone knows, Winston Churchill was the prime minister of Britain during World War II, obviously a really desperate time, like, um, like how we are in our story, that uh, we're in a desperate time. So obviously in like the most desperate times, the greatest leaders, greatest leaders will emerge. So Winston Churchill inspired the, inspired the whole nation of Britain in a time of hardship with the famous speech, The Darkest Hour. So the darkest hour was a speech that he gave to motivate everyone. I think that's eminent of Ender too. He motivates them. He wants them fighting for him. You know, and Churchill's he's there with the people he's fighting for. And um, Churchill, I th I feel like you know really had a whole nation rallying behind him, who were willing to go out there, who were willing to die for him. And that you know everyone there was fighting with him, not just for him. He was just a prominent prominent leader. And not in the fact of his, um, his success in, you know, tactics and strategy, which obviously was his eminent defender as well. You know, he is this, you know, strategic and tactical, you know, like God, and he can, you know, do all these uh, things like as well as Churchill. But that's not what sets them apart from being a great leader, being a legendary leader. You know, these guys were able to rally everyone behind them. You know, people were willing to say, you know, I'm fine. I'm going to die for this guy. I'm going out there 
and I'm fighting with honor, with dignity, because he's leading me, and I know he knows what's right, and he's like, it's an honor and it's dignity to fight for him, and that is the true meaning of leadership, and the true um, understanding of, um, you know, just being able to lead, and I think that's a really important thing. So thank you for listening to our podcast and um, yeah.